Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Hey, today we continue our series, Movies at Church. And we're going to be looking at a movie named The Cure. It was filmed in 1995. That's older, I know, than some of you guys in here. Um, But it's actually a pretty good movie. I watched it myself um, because I had never heard of it, but I saw a couple of the clips. Uh, somebody um, recommended them, and so I, I watched a couple of the clips and um, figured I'd watch it. I watched it, and this is the intro for it. You guys ready? After I read this intro, we'll, we'll roll the first clip. It says, two boys found a way to make one summer last a lifetime. Dexter, age 11, who contracted, who, who, uh, who got AIDS through a blood transfusion as a baby and his na- uh, his next door neighbor Eric a little older and much bigger become best friends Eric also becomes closer to Dexter's mother than to his own who is neglectful and bigoted and violently forbids their friendship upon learning of it when they read that a doctor in distant New Orleans cl- claims to have found a cure for AIDS the boys leave home on their own planning to float down the Mississippi River and find him Go ahead. He ended up giving me two pints of blood. I guess that's a lot for a baby. My grandmother says you're going to hell. She says you'll suffer eternal torture from a billion flames, hotter than the center of the sun. Well, she must be some kind of genius. What? Well, my doctor's really smart. He says he has no idea what happens to people after they die. If your grandmother knows she must be a genius. She's a clerk at Kmart. Maybe she's just an underachiever. No, she's an idiot. So maybe I won't go to hell after all. Are you sure those germs of yours don't travel through the air? Yeah, why? How old are you? Eleven. You're a midget. Well, if you look at the lower limit of what's considered normal for my age, I'm only four inches shorter. Oh. So, you know how to play Battleship? That could have been filmed in Polk County almost, huh? You know, one of the roughest things that I deal with as a pastor is dealing with people who have been hurt by the church, dealing with people that have been hurt by bigoted-minded people, um, people who are just so readily and easily condemning everyone to hell just because they don't believe exactly the way that they do, just because they don't think exactly the way that they do. And so here's this in this movie scene. Here's this little 11-year-old boy who 
his grandmother's condemning his friend to hell because of something that he had absolutely no power over, something that happened to him. And, and so the very first point that I want to bring up is let's not condemn others based on their situation. Let's not condemn others based on their situation. I know it's very easy around where we live to kind of look at certain people, look at people groups, look at, look at areas in our communities, look at maybe even families, and just condemn them because of their situation. But one thing that I've learned through ministry and something that I've seen, man, we... For the last couple of years, we've, we've taken a trip. We've taken kids on, on just a small trip to like Texarkana. We've taken, we've taken them to watch movies. We've taken them to the trampoline park. And uh, it's amazing how many of these small children, it's their very first time, like as soon as they see Welcome to Texas, they're like, oh, we're in Texas? They have no idea that there's this whole world outside of South Polk County. And there's so many kids, listen to me, there's so many kids that are caught up in a vicious cycle that if somebody does not let them know, they'll never know that there's anything else outside of what they're growing up in. They'll never know that there is life without drugs. They'll never know that there's life without poverty. They'll never know that there's life with Jesus. They, they'll just never know. And again, sadly, the church has been so quick so many times to just condemn, to just drop them. Let's not condemn others based on their situation. I want to read Luke chapter 5, verses 30 through 32. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus understood that he could not get around what I like to call holy huddles and just hang around with other Christians and just talk to other Christians. He understood that if he was truly going to be light of the world, he was going to have to put himself in some circles. He was going to have to put himself in some environments. He was going to have to put himself in the middle of some relationships that don't look all that nice, that don't look very good, that don't look very pretty, but he was going to be light of the world. And he says, it's not the healthy that go to a doctor, but it's the sick. And he says that that's who I'm here for. Let's not be quick to condemn. Let's not be quick to look and judge by somebody's situation because here's the reality. God doesn't send anyone to hell. God doesn't send. I want to read to you guys John chapter 3 verse 16. Very famous scripture. Most of you probably know it by heart. But we're going to continue reading on through verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For God, again, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him 
might be saved. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Matter of fact, God wanted so much for no one to have to go to hell, for no one to have to suffer for eternity in hell, that he sent his only son as payment for every single one of our sins. And God said, listen, I don't want you to go to hell. And if you want to go there, you're going to have to step over my son's dead body. That's what God did. And listen, if God doesn't send people to hell, then neither do we. If you're still a little bit addicted to cussing and it's just really, really hard for you to quit, start with this. Quit sending people to hell. You know that, hey, just go to hell. Just take that out of your vocabulary. If God doesn't send people to hell, neither do you. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. And you guys can Google it because this this is one of those great, you'll see it on my Instagram later on today. But Charles Spurgeon said this, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Don't give up so quickly on people. Don't condemn people so quickly. Don't judge people so quickly. Somebody didn't give up on you, man. You're here because somebody prayed. That's the reality. You're here because somebody didn't give up on you. You're here because somebody kept talking to you. You're here because somebody wrapped their arms around your knees and said, if you want to go that route, you're going to have to step over my dead body. Somebody did that for you. Now let's do that for somebody else. That's going to be the church that we're, that, that is the church that we're striving to be. Not a church that judge, but a church that accepts. Not a church that is exclusive, but a church that is inclusive. Not a church that condemns, but a church that hugs and that keeps believing and keeps praying. Are you guys with me? Let's not condemn church. Let's not, let's not, be, that, let's not be that person. Don't be that person. Don't be those people. Let's keep loving. Let's keep serving. Let's keep believing and let's keep praying. Amen? Nice clip. Fire. You missed. Hey, how much you pay for that? Hey, you guys took a wrong turn. This is a no homo zone. I ain't a homo. Neither is he. Got it from a blood transfusion. Well, then what's that awful smell? We see we was walking across the grass and we accidentally stepped in your mother. Can't hit us all with that. I'll only be aiming at you. Come on, then. Hey, what about your little brother, huh? What about him? 
When he fell off the jungle gym at school, they had to take him to the hospital. He could have caught something then. Yeah, but he didn't. But he could have. Then everybody would be calling him queer. And he'd get sick and die. And they'd write homo on his headstone. Then when your mother went to bring him flowers, she'd see little Eddie Horner homo. And you know what the worst part about it would be? Probably before he died, a bunch of like you who ain't sick thought it might be fun just to be out of him. Sick. Thanks. I know that was a rough scene. And I gotta be honest, man, I struggled. I struggled on whether or not to play that scene, but but every time I watched it, it took me back to John chapter eight. It took me back to that one time when Jesus early in the morning is teaching. He's got a crowd of people around him. And then another crowd starts dragging this woman to him. And as they drag this woman to him, they throw her at his feet. And they say, listen, we caught this woman in adultery in the very act. In other words, there's absolutely no denying. We saw her. We caught her in the very act. He says, now the law of Moses, it says that we should stone her to death. What do you say we should do? The Bible says that Jesus just kneels down and he begins to write something in the sand. And they question him again, so he stands up and he says, you know what? Whoever has no sin, you guys go ahead and throw the first stone. And he kneels down and begins to write again. Some theologians believe that maybe he was writing their sins in the sand. Could you imagine Imagine if Jesus started doing that to us. He'd run out of sand with me. I don't know about you guys, but he'd run out of sand with me pretty quick. And the Bible says that one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, dropped their rocks, walked away. Jesus still drawing in the sand. And then as he looks up, he finds the lady caught in adultery all by herself. I can imagine she's saying because she knows actually if there's one person that actually can throw a rock, it's a dude that's writing in the sand. So I'm not going to go anywhere until he says something. And so Jesus looks up and he looks at her and he says, where are they? They're gone. None of them condemned me. And Jesus says, and neither do I. That scene, as rough as it is, probably isn't near as rough as what that moment was when they brought that woman to Jesus. And we're so quick to judge people who sin differently than us. We're so quick to condemn those who sin differently than us. And that's exactly what Jesus caught these men doing. He said, listen, if we want to start writing out sins, I'll start writing in this sand. 
until I run out of space. If you want to be the person that judges and if you want to be the type of person that condemns and if you want to be the person that throws rocks, then, then let's just get everything out into the open. And I imagine it was the older ones who walked away first because, well, they've been living a little bit longer. So they had a few more things that could be written down. And I bet they walked off pretty quick before they got to them. I would have. If Jesus would have stooped down to write down my sins, I would have dropped and took off running. Let's not be so quick to judge and condemn just because people sin differently from us. We got to understand, man, that none of us, none of us deserve this grace that's been given to us. None of us deserve the love of a Savior that's been given to us. There's not a one of us that Jesus couldn't write a, an entire book on our sins. So let's not judge. Let's not throw rocks. The truth is, we're all just one bad decision away from being that person. I bet if we all just took just a little bit of time, we can all just kind of think back to a moment in our lives where if we would have just done what we were thinking about doing, how it would have destroyed everything. You guys with me? Just that one moment, that split second decision. So let's not judge those others just because they sin differently from us. And listen, listen, church, I, you need to get this. We can either be critical of others or we can be helpful, but we cannot be both. You can either be critical of others and you can judge others for their sins and you can condemn others for their sins and you can throw rocks all day long or you can help them, but you can't do both. We are going to be the church that helps. Okay? We're not going to be the church that holds off from doing an event like what we just did this weekend who doesn't do all this work that we just did this weekend just because somebody might take advantage of us just because somebody might have a bad heart we're not going to be critical we're not going to be judgmental we don't care what they're driving up in we don't we don't care what they look like we don't care what they're wearing we don't care if they hadn't worked in a year what we don't care we're not going to be critical we're going to be helpful and so just ask yourself, man, are you more helpful than you are critical? Because if you're not, then you need a heart check. You need to check your soul. You need to check your relationship with Jesus. Because he's never been more critical than he ever has been helpful. We are called to be people who have compassion and who show empathy, which means sharing the feelings of others. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Go there with me because this is so highlight worthy. Galatians chapter 6. It's going to be towards the very back of the Bible. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. Man, we are called to walk in somebody else's shoes. Just ask yourself, next time you become critical of somebody else and you begin and you, and you find yourself judging somebody's sins, just ask yourself, where would you be in their shoes? A wise friend of mine says, you don't know what you don't know. And we don't know what leads people to their decisions. I know it's easy to step back and in our comfort to kind of say, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You know, like watching an NBA game or NFL game, you know, watching Johnny Manziel and CFL throwing four interceptions and his, I'm sorry, I'm being a hater. I shouldn't, but it's so much easier watching in in your, in your laid back easy chair, watching the big screen at your house and you see them throw an interception or you see somebody miss a tackle, you're like, ah, oh, what an idiot. I'm like, dude, you kidding me? The dude would have ran you over. You can't even, can you? You'd be out of breath before you made it to half court. Shut up. But it's, it, it's, it's amazing how we all become professionals as we're watching the TV and we, and we yell, you idiot, what are you doing? Oh, somebody ought to pay me a million bucks. I'd be, I'd coach better than them. Shut up, dude. Whenever we remove ourselves from their lives, whenever we're not in their shoes, whenever we don't know what they're feeling, whenever we dehumanize someone, it's so easy to judge and to condemn and say, what an idiot. Why would you do that? Why would you live life that way? Why would you put up with that? Why would you make that choice? But you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what drove them to that decision. You don't know why it is that they're the way that they are. You don't know what they faced growing up. You don't know what they face at home. Don't be so judgmental if you're not there. Don't be critical. Be helpful. If you're not going to help somebody, just shh. That's it. Just shh. That's, that's a rule I have. Listen, it, it, you don't complain to me if you don't have a solution. That's just my rule. I'll listen to your complaints if you have a solution. But if you just want to complain, eh, I don't care. That's just the reality. Because everybody has complaints. But I want to know how invested you are. And if you're invested and you're willing to be a part of the solution, then I'll listen. That's who God's calling us to be. Compassionate. Let's not be critical. Let's be helpful. Let's not just complain. Let's be the solution for somebody. Amen? Let's roll the next clip. Feeling better, I guess. Uh, it must be Eric. So, uh, I guess your road to the Nobel Prize hit a few potholes? And we'll have to Grand Canyon. <laughs> okay. Let's open wide and say, ah. Uh, uh. <coughs> Does that hurt when you talk? 
<laughs> well, see that hairy chest. I got it. He knows he's done. What? We tricked the nurses into thinking that he was dead. And Nurse Murphy said that everyone knew it was coming. So you tricked them? Well, we pretended that Dexter stopped breathing, and he jumped up and screamed and scared him. She must have hit the roof. Yeah, Dexter laughed his ass off. Oh, well, that's what happened to it. I, I thought he was just on a diet here. <laughs> History is full of very sick people who suddenly, for no reason at all, get better. And when that happens, we call it a miracle. From the moment I met you, I knew you were special and that you might be one of those people. Yeah? You know I'm telling you the truth, don't you? Inside you, can't you? So don't let me down, okay? I'm counting on you to make me famous. We call it a miracle. A miracle is basically when God works on your behalf. How many of you have ever seen God work on your behalf before? And we've all, I'm not going to get very deep in this because I spoke about it a couple weeks ago, but we've all experienced miracles in our life, and we tend to make them ordinary, but they're not. God works on our behalf every single day. Man, there's so many miracles that happen to you throughout your lifetime that you don't even know about. God is working on your behalf. I want you to know that. I want you to know that God still works miracles. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he is the same forever. He's the same God of salvation. He's the same God of healing. He's the same God of restoration. He's the same God of compassion. He is the same yesterday today and forever. God is still working on your behalf. I want you to know that. And maybe some of you guys are struggling with something. Maybe some of you guys are facing just a mountain that just seems immovable, just seems too huge, too big, and it just seems like you're not seeing the progress or that you like to see. I want you to know that some miracles happen in an instant. Some, ha some miracles happen in a moment, just suddenly something changes and suddenly something shifts inside of us or something shifts in the atmosphere and everything changes. But then a lot of miracles actually happen by process. And it's little by little. That's still a miracle. Now it's a longer drawn out miracle, but it's still a miracle. And most of you, if you look back at where you used to be five years ago and you look at your life today, you would say, that's a miracle. And if you don't look at yourself, look at your spouse, huh? <laughs> hey, man, that's a miracle. 
but it's a miracle. God is still working on your behalf, and I want you to know that. I want you to believe that, and I don't want you to ever give up on the hope that God could change everything in a moment. God, change, God could change everything in an instant. God still works miracles. And I want to speak specifically for those of you who's praying for a family member. Somebody who's not, or, or maybe not even a family member, but just someone in your life. Someone who's maybe not living life the right way. Someone who isn't following Jesus. Someone who is making bad decisions right now. I want you to know that what God has done for you, God can do for them. I want you to know that in a moment, God can grab a hold of their heart and everything can change. Everything can change. Don't give up hope. If you're praying for family, don't give up hope. I know how painful it can be sometimes. It can be extremely difficult. I'm going to throw this in there just for those of you who think that my family's perfect. Okay, I'm just going to throw this in there for you guys. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was I was called by my mother, and and someone in our family is going to be let out of prison uh, on the 18th, and so she asked me to go visit with them and kind of help them get get on their feet and um, take them some money. It's okay. I agreed to do that. It was going to be very difficult to do because we've got a couple of conferences going on actually on that same day, but I'm going to do it. It's worth, it's well worth the hassle of doing that. And then I get a call this week and uh, that family member sent a letter in not a very nice way saying, we don't want, or I don't want your help. And as I'm talking to my mother, I hear the heartbreak you know I mean my mom's 700 miles away while we're having this conversation but have you ever just been on the phone with somebody and you hear their heartbreak they're trying to keep it together but you hear the heartbreak and I hear my mom's heartbreak I just have to you know I just took a little bit of time to just to encourage her what I said doesn't matter but what does matter is this your if your family's not perfect you're not the only one whose family isn't perfect. If there's things going wrong in your family right now or in your life right now, you're not, you're not alone in this. And what God has done for one, he can do for all. You have to believe that God is moving on your behalf. And when that happens, we call it a miracle. Everybody bow your head. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Lord, we ask you that you would help us to be the church, help us to be the people who don't condemn, who don't send people to hell because you don't. That no one would leave unwarned or unprayed for, God. That we wouldn't be the people who judge, 
others just because they sin a little bit differently than us, but God, that we would believe that you're working and that you're moving on our behalf and you're moving on their behalf. God, we we may not be able to see it, but that's what faith is. The hope, the certainty in things not yet seen. And God, we believe and we stand in faith and we unite this morning. God, I unite with the prayers of fathers and of mothers and of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and nephews and sons and daughters. And we unite right here, right now, believing you are moving on our behalf. You will move on our behalf and we call it a miracle. Lord, we're believing salvation will come to our homes because it's your promise. It is your promise. You said if we'll follow you, then we and our homes will be saved. So God, we believe that you're moving on our behalf. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.thurmanmodelchurch.com.